The following conversation originally aired on The Point on KPOV 88.9 FM High Desert Community Radio in Bend, Oregon. Airing weekdays at 9 a.m., The Point is a half-hour, locally produced show focusing on people and events in Central Oregon. Our guest this morning is John Nielsen, businessman, father, and concerned citizen from Redmond. Welcome to The Point, John, and thank you for your time this morning. Well, thanks for having me on, Louise. So you are one busy guy. You manage a large branch of a local credit union. You're active with the Chamber of Commerce. You just completed Leadership Redmond. You're a board member of Ready, which is Redmond Economic Development, and Redmond Rotary, where you lead a committee on homelessness. Oh, yeah. And the father of five, including seven-year-old twins. Wow. So first of all, at the start of the show, we teased about a very important announcement. Don't keep us in suspense. Share with us. Well, I am uh, officially collecting signatures and running for Redmond City Council. After after 20 years as a Redmond resident, it is time to get off the sidelines and see what difference I can make for the better. Awesome. Okay, now that we know this will be a political show, Marianne, you want to jump in and give us our usual disclosures? A disclaimer, yes, I have to do that. Before we continue with the rest of the questions for John, we'd like to add that all opinions voiced today are those of our guest and our own thoughts. They do not reflect the opinions of KPOV, its staff, or its board of directors. Thank you, Marianne. So, John, let's start out with a little bit about you. You tell us you've been at Redmond for 20 years, but tell us a little bit more about your background. Well, I I grew up in Wisconsin in a very small town, uh, about 14 hundred people, kindergarten through high school, and then I joined the Army, and I'm a third-generation Army veteran. I served as a paratrooper in the 82nd Airborne Division and uh, got out after a fairly significant injury. You jumped out of an airplane and your chute didn't open. That, yes, that's that's the one. And I'm very, very lucky to have very good doctors, and, you know, by the grace of God, here I am, and I moved out I was just, I didn't mean to interrupt you, John. I just wanted to say, oh my gosh, that is like my worst nightmare. So go ahead. Uh, Thank you. If if it makes you feel any better, it was, it was a night jump. So I couldn't actually see the ground. You could just, I could kind of hear it coming up because of the change in the air pressure. So yeah, that's, that's a much less political story, but probably not one for this audience. (laughs) Um, Also, I can't use the words on air that I used when I was falling. So we'll, we can move on from that one. But yeah, so after I got out of the service, I went back home and I lost my dad to cancer. And I realized that I needed to make a change. And so I moved out here. I had some army friends that were going to school at COCC. I moved out here and I met my wife uh, and kind of that was it. She's a Bend native. And we decided this is where we wanted to live. And so I've lived all over the country and Redmond is where we chose to raise our family to make a life for ourselves. So, John, in those 20 years that you've lived in Redmond, what changes have you noticed? You know, obviously, we've seen we've seen the growth. You know, we saw the, the recession and kind of what that did to downtown. We've seen the rebirth of downtown through good leadership, stewardship and local buy-in and involvement from people, from leaders, from, you know, businesses that believe in the town. The things that I've seen for the not so good, I guess I would say, is we chose not to recognize some of the some of the positives and some of the negatives that come along with that growth. And by that, I mean positives in that we don't all have, come from the same cultures anymore. 
So we become a more diverse population. We become different. We're able to get different perspectives. We're able to get different points of views, different concerns. And I think all of that is ultimately for the benefit of us. Some of the challenges, obviously, you've seen the rise in housing costs. You've seen an increase in homelessness and houselessness. We've seen a lack of economic diversity really starts to kind of hamper our our ability to grow responsibly. You know, and 20 years ago, when I first moved here, everybody kind of told me, oh, well, Bend is just, you know, it's poverty with a view. There's the haves and then the have-nothings. And over the last 20 years, we've kind of seen that really start to take hold in Redmond. And that's something that we should have seen and taken steps to adjust you know, and, and to, to do what we can to mitigate that and stop that from, from impacting people's lives. And we should have done that 10, 15 years ago. So is that what made you decide to run for city council or did you just have too much spare time on your hands? <laughs> well, um, I, spare, time is, spare time is not something I have in abundance, but to me, this is important. And, and it's important to me because like, as, as we said, I've got five kids. Four of them are still kind of making their way in the world. One of them is out and, you know, he's he's out of the area. But I have two adult kids. One of them is 26 and one of them is 23. The 26-year-old works full-time in healthcare and he's trying to find a house. He and his longtime girlfriend have decided they're ready to become homeowners and try to start their lives like I did. Redmond's completely off the map for them. And they both work full-time, they have good jobs, and they can't afford to buy a house here. I have a 23-year-old who's currently living with us who I very much would like to move out and find an apartment, but he can't do it on his own. He can, you know, trying to find reliable roommates have proved a challenge. So meanwhile, I don't get my shop and he still has to live with mom and dad at 23 after coming home from college. None of that's good for us. If, If people trying to start their lives can't because we have put barriers in there when they're doing the right thing, they're doing what they're supposed to do. That's not a failing on their part. That's a failing on ours. So as city council member, what are you going to do to address that issue? Well, there's a lot of different things that you can do. And I'm really, really excited about some of the folks that are running along, I'm not going to say alongside me, but are also running for office. And Redmond's a nonpartisan position where the top three seats are basically the top three vote getters are elected to the council. And so one of the things that I know that Councillor Cadswicker, who's up for re-election, has talked about is looking at land trusts where they can put some restrictions. And I think that's a really interesting idea and something that's worthy of looking at. I also think we need to look at talking to developers and coming up with some condo style ideas where maybe you can't afford $500,000 for your first home, but you can afford two hundred and fifty dollars for a small condo, a one-bedroom or a two-bedroom, where rather than paying somebody else's mortgage by paying them rent, you can start to build equity so that guys like my son can get out there and actually establish some ownership, have some pride of place. And then when he's ready to move into a house with a yard and kind of establish that idea of the nuclear family that he's got some equity already established. We also need to look at how the state collects property taxes and the way that they do it in the first year can price some folks out of the market because they actually are collecting for more than those first 12 months. And then the last thing I want to look at is, I shouldn't say the last thing, but the, the last thing I want to talk about today is providing a some type of better system than a 10-year liability for builders. 
because one of the reasons that we're not seeing a lot of those condos is because it's very difficult for a construction company to build a facility to build condos if they're going to be on the hook for it 10 years later. And now they get sued at nine years and six months because the owners never did any maintenance on it. And now they're seeing it's construction defects. We have to have a better system that I'm not saying that I want to let construction companies off the hook, but there comes a point where if they did their job right, we need to we need to hold the homeowners associations, the condo associations responsible for maintenance of their own property and not enter into this kind of litigious climate where nobody wants to build because nobody wants to be on the hook for something they did a decade ago. Well, John, a minute ago, you mentioned uh, that city council positions are nonpartisan. Talk to us about the current political climate and how it's impacting the council and local political races. You know, that was one of the things that made me decide that I, I needed to stand up. I, I'm, I'm seeing way too much partisan divide, too much of this left versus right, good versus evil kind of, I don't want to listen to this person because they voted for so-and-so. And I don't think it's beneficial at the national level. I know it's not beneficial at the state level, but at the local level, where we still have flexibility, where we still have direct, real significant impact on people's lives, it can be devastating. And we've seen it where issues are not brought up in council because it's not the majority opinion. And to me, that is, it is fundamentally undemocratic for us to decide that one person gets to set the agenda. And if you don't agree with that, then you just don't have a voice. That That is directly in opposition to what this country is supposed to stand for. So how then, as a new council person, are you going to combat that? The short answer is me as an individual can't do a lot. On the city council, you can you can still leverage your voice. You can still make your voices heard. So even if you can't get something on the city agenda, you can still raise public awareness. You can still listen to people and find out what matters to them. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that is lacking from our council right now. With a few exceptions, there isn't a lot of tell me what matters to you coming from the city council. There's a lot of kind of lip service. There's a lot of low-hanging fruit and kind of PR opportunities for photo ops and things like that, but not a lot of actual, let's talk about what matters to folks who run businesses downtown. Let's talk about folks who work on 97 and have to deal with that traffic every day. Or let's talk about, you know, the, the continued kind of expansion west and what that looks like for those homeowners and what issues that they're having just trying to get to the grocery store and spending 20 minutes in traffic to get from one side of Redmond to the other. And if we're not listening to those voices, then why are we wanting to lead those people? There will be a new mayor in Redmond next year. George Endicott, who's been mayor of the city for over 13 years, has announced that he will not be seeking re-election. As a potential city councilman, you'll also be working with possibly two other new council members and a new mayor. What are your plans to help unify and work together with this group? You know, first, I want to thank Mayor Endicott for his years of service. I don't agree with him on every position that he's taken, but it is very clear to me that he does love this community and that he did what he thought was right. And I think that we've kind of seen some of that, some of the culture change around that, but I know that my experiences with him have been predominantly positive 
And when I've had issues, I've been able to go to him. But it did take me having to hunt him down and having to hunt down the other councilmen if I wanted to voice my concerns. And that is something that I would like to see changed. One thing that I would like to talk about the how we work together going forward, whoever the next mayor is going to be. And there are four candidates right now, and I've had an opportunity to chat with all of them. Fortunately, all of them have made time to sit down and say, okay, let's go grab a cup of coffee. Let's talk and kind of see what what you're about, where you're at and why you're wanting to run. And I like some of their answers better than others. I don't think any of them are, you know, I don't think any of them are the boogeyman. I don't think any of them are inherently evil. I think some of them have a clearer, better version, vision of why they want to run and what skill set they bring. And I think the voters are going to sort that out. But ultimately, whoever it is, it's one vote on the city council and they get to, you know, kind of lead the meetings If we have our way, we'll change who can set agenda items. But right now, it's pretty much up to the mayor. Um, Hopefully, that's something that we'll be able to change so that all of us will have better representation. Uh, As far as the other councillors go, I've also met with, to my knowledge, everybody who's running for city council right now. And I'm really optimistic about some of the kind of sensible, practical leadership that is stepping forward to say, hey, we don't all agree, but we can we can disagree respectfully, recognize that we're all coming from a good place with an open heart and a clear mind and find a path forward to solve a lot of the issues that we frankly should have, you know, we should have dealt with five, 10 years ago. John, speaking of issues, what do you see as the number one issue facing Redmond today and how do you propose to solve it? I'm not a single issue candidate. There was no one thing that made me jump up. But if I had to pick, I think the, the most obvious one that we need to deal with is going to be the housing and houselessness. And those things tie into each other. You can't you can't address homelessness if you don't have homes for those people to move up and move into. You know, we've got folks living in RVs, we've got folks living in tents, we've got folks living out in the junipers that that need help. And I know a lot of a lot of people kind of write them off and just say, oh, it's drugs or it's mental health or it didn't start out that way. And they're not coming here from Portland. It's not like we have a migration of homeless caravans that are coming from the, from California or from, you know, these are our friends and neighbors who real life got in the way of their plans. You know, if they had a broken leg that led to missed work without sick time, then they couldn't make their rent. So they're living in their car. Then they couldn't make the car payment because they couldn't shower. So they lost the job. And so now they're out in the sticks. Those are real stories that happen to real people. And there, but for the grace of God, go you and everybody you know, me included. Um, I, I've had opportunities to talk with these people. I've been very active with the Rotary Club has established a uh, homeless action committee where we're attempting to find real targeted ways that the, that Rotary as, as an organization can help Redmond. And I was uh, appointed to the committee chair of that, uh, that board. I've been working with the Central Oregon Homeless Coalition and talking to the directors of Bethlehem Inn, Shepherd's House, Neighbor Impact. I mean, all of these different groups, the Safe Parking Program. And that's To me, those are the folks that are out there. They're doing God's work. And my single biggest issue from a city perspective is how do we support them? And they need, if you go talk to them, they talk about wraparound services for their clients, for the folks that are out there. And what I envision is the city providing wraparound services for those organizations. Explain that term, wraparound services. So in the practical sense, if if you are homeless, you need food, you need water, you need safety, you need shelter. 
You also need an ID. You need a bank account. You need access to, you know, if you're eligible for social security or disability or food stamps, you have to have, you, you have to be able to navigate that system. And I had an opportunity to do a program, the, the, an educational program that was put on by the Central Urban Homeless Coalition that really, it reinforced what I already knew about how difficult it is to navigate through those systems. If you don't have your birth certificate, you can't get a driver's license. If you don't have an address, you can't get a bank account. Well, how do you cash a check without an ID? How do you get direct deposit without a bank account? How do you move forward if you can't get access to funds that you're entitled to? All of these things they require a organizations to provide wraparound services. It's it's looking at every need that that person has and try to figure out how to solve those problems so that person can become self-sufficient. Not all of them are money. And that is what I'm looking for on the city council is what services, what support can we provide to those organizations to help them work together more efficiently, to help them act as a force multiplier for each other. What resources not always monetary, can the city provide? Sometimes assistance with grants is needed. Sometimes they don't know the grant is out there. So getting that information, allowing them a place where the organizations themselves can communicate with each other in a productive manner, where we can say, okay, you've got three different organizations. They all have to buy food. Fantastic. Let's help them buy food on an industrial scale to make that dollar do the most good it can. None of that requires funding from the city. None of that requires tax increases. We can do it through just common sense communications and look at what is the actual need and what's the best way to solve it. Well, let's switch directions just a little bit. Sure. Dispensaries. The current mayor is steadfastly against them in Redmond. However, the Redmond citizens are traveling to Bend and Madras to obtain their cannabis and spending their money there. While the revenue from cannabis sales isn't what it used to be, isn't Redmond losing dollars to other surrounding cities? And where do you stand on this issue? Yeah, Measure 110 kind of cut the teeth out of a lot of the, the arguments to allow dispensaries here. I, a lot of the folks that I talk to keep coming in and saying, oh, it'll bring all this money. Well, yeah, not, not so much. That being said, I have some experience with this through family. And I'm not a huge fan of marijuana I've seen what alcoholism, what drugs, what binge drinking does to, to individuals, to families. And so I do not use it. I don't intend to use it. I'm not a big fan. However, that I don't like it is not a good enough reason to make it illegal. And that's kind of where I come down on it. I do think it needs to be regulated. I think we need to look at restricting placement of those dispensaries. If it is a legal business, Unless we're also going to say, yeah, we don't like beer, so we're going to outlaw breweries, and good luck with that. You know, I need it to be safe. I need it to be well-regulated, and I'm not 100% let's do it. I am an open mind on it, but I, there, are some, there are some hoops that I feel we need to have those folks jump through to make sure that it's only going to those folks who are allowed to have it and that it is controlled. So, John, you have two young children, twins, seven years old. How would you like them to view their city? You know, one of the, I, this is going to sound like a cheesy politician statement, but it, it happens to be the truth. My son, my seven-year-old refers to this as my city. When we go somewhere, he'll say, are we still in my city? No, no, we're in, you know, we're in Primeville or, you know, oh, we're in Lincoln City. And, and then we say, well, how long till we get back to my city? And that's it. That's, that's how I want him to see it. I want him to see it as his city. 
I want every kid who's here to see it as their city. They love, my, my daughter absolutely loves the flags. When the flags are up, we have to make a special trip to drive around because she wants to see them all wave. Um, up until recently, she still referred to them as the Pledge of Allegiance because that's how she knows them from school. She didn't, she, she didn't quite know Old Glory, but she knew it was the Pledge of Allegiance. And so that's, that's what she would ask to go see. But I need, I need my kids to grow up, to have a good life. And I hope that they, they have the opportunity to live that here. That's what I'm shooting for. That's, that's, that's what we need. Because really, it's not our city. It's theirs. We're just taking care of it for them until they're ready to take the keys. Where can we go quickly to get more information? Uh, Facebook is John for Redmond or John for Redmond.com. All righty. Thank and you that's so much. The number four, oh, John, number four. Yes. Okay. John, the number four, Redmond.com. Yes. Okay. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and our program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.